Welcome to the Aesthetics Mastery Show. I'm Dr. Tim Pierce. Hi, I'm Miranda Pierce. And today we are talking about the important question of how much hyaluronidase do you actually need to carry with you uh, in order to be safe? This is one of the most frequently asked questions that Tim gets about vascular occlusion. And I think because the, there's so much debate around it and because happily most of us haven't had an occlusion, so no one has a definitive answer, but we're going to dig into it today. We're going to find out how many vials Tim would recommend, how many vials you actually used when you did have an occlusion yourself, and also what the evidence shows and how do you actually access these vials of hyalase if you aren't a doctor or a dentist? Yeah, let's dive in. Tiny little vials, but very, very important when you've used your last one. So um, I've actually got our home supply, which we keep just in case, and we have six vials in my home supply. That is more than I think I would need, but that might be exactly the right way to approach it. So before we dive into the actual number that you carry, tell us a little about a little bit about the science behind the hyalase. You've got to start by understanding what are the variables that decide how long it would take a, an occlusion to be dissolved. Because as soon as you understand the variables, you'll understand why um, the average is going to be very different from the far end, because there are so many attributes to this that could be um, quite extreme. So if you consider different types of filler, so you'll have some fillers designed to, to last according to the manufacturer for 18 months, they're much more cross-linked that may take a longer, a different amount of hyaluron days to dissolve the same amount. You've also got the total amount of filler. So if you've injected more in a particular place, so you're, it's an area where there are some places if you're doing chins or cheeks where you might quite regularly bolus 0.2 mils or even more than that people put in. So that could change hugely how much, how big the actual occlusion is. Um, you've also got sort of how long has it been since the occlusion? Is it a full occlusion or a partial occlusion? You know, is there, are there collaterals that are providing blood supply that's protecting the area? Um, what is the ambient temperature? The room might affect it. You know, if the patient's hot or cold, you might get a, a slightly different rate of breakdown. What's their cardiac output? If it's a young person who's stressed and their heart's pumping hard, you might flush out some of that uh, of the hyalurondases in their interstitial space a bit quicker than if it's an older person. There are loads and loads of variables. And what we need to do is be prepared for something that isn't our perfect occlusion, but actually on the other end of the spectrum, like something that's that's quite an unlucky situation to find yourself in, even though occlusion's already unlucky, but being prepared for the worst would be how I'd approach this. Okay. So again, just winding up to the conclusion of how many vials we need in our emergency kit. Tell us a bit about when you had an occlusion. Um, so, yeah, the first time I had an occlusion, the years, quite a few years ago now, well, the first time I actually saw one happen in front of me was during training. So someone else was injecting another doctor and it was a very small occlusion, but the first one I'd ever seen. And uh, barn door, you could see it. In fact, it's on our emergency protocol, which is available for downloading. I actually see, see that occlusion. Um, and... Um, little white patch, zero capillary refill. So very different to these partial capillary refills that you sometimes see. Um, and obviously getting the diagnosis right was key. So as soon as you've got that right, you then should swing into action. So I'd gone over this protocol in my mind many times, but I'd never actually done it. I'd used hyaluron days for elective reversals, but never for an emergency. So um, I just put it, because I thought about it and taught it enough times, um, I just went through the process of, of executing what I'd said so many times. And the first thing on my list is, 
stay cool. Like don't get stressed out, stay present because I know so many injectors who freak out and what you desperately don't want in the situation is two people crying. Like yeah. it's, it's bad enough having one, but I've heard of cases where both are crying. You cannot do that. Um, most professionals are fairly well trained not to la- allow that in, but you know, it happens. So, um, Staying calm was key. It's it's definitely easier when you're not the one who's been injecting, but it was on my head, so I did feel the stress of it. Um, and uh, then we set about with with executing the protocol, which is basically warm compress. Uh, we did do an allergy test first, which is, you know, it's optional. I certainly um, uh, think there's maybe some merit in it, but it's definitely a debatable issue, and many people don't do it, and that's that's their choice. So the yeah, you get the diagnosis, and then I started the, the process of uh, of dissolving it. And I also asked someone to get in touch with another injector, Dr. Fab, who helped yeah. me on that day. Uh, I always appreciate it and honor him for it because it's so, it's so nice when someone helps you when you're uh, in a, in, in a new situation like that. Um, and I'll always appreciate him for that. Yeah. And then we executed the process. It, t- it actually only took about 45 minutes. And I remember being very stressed out towards the end of 45 minutes, but that's actually relatively quick. And I think we might have used three or four vials. Okay. Um, which I could have used less of, but I had plenty in the clinic. So I, that's, this was a lip. Yeah. It was quite a, a large area to be occluded and complete occlusion as well. So it wasn't just a, a slight delay, completely refill. It was complete. So, um, yeah, that's not how I would base a recommendation on how many vials to use. Um, I was basing that situation. I was almost on the fly making a decision about whether to inject more or not because what I had in front of me was what I was making the decision on. And what I could tell is after a certain, not that long, the area felt a bit empty. You know, when you inject saline, you see a a fullness. There's a sense that there's something here that I've injected and that then dissipates quite quickly. And I remember having the sense that like 10, 10 minutes afterwards, it didn't feel full anymore. It felt empty. And the mental model going on in my mind is I want a high concentration of hyaluronidase right next to that blocked blood vessel and the blocked capillaries so that the gradient of concentration is encouraging hyaluronidase to go into the blood vessel through the wall into the, where the dermal filler is and dissolve it. So I was making a decision based on that mental model, which is do I feel like there's product here doing work or do I feel like that product is gone? And I remember thinking, it feels like it's gone. It doesn't feel like there's the, the volume of product I added is still actually doing anything. And so I made the decision to add a bit more and it did dissolve the problem quite quickly. You've answered my question. I was going to say, when you said the, the volume of product, you mean the hyalase, not the filler? Yeah, hyaluronide. So, and also I know I did, one of the things that's important with this case is because of the way I teach lips, it wasn't a large amount of product. It would have been about 0.05 mils. So that's actually quite small. So this would be on the small end of an occlusion and to take 45 minutes you know i you know it was my the biggest occlusion i'd ever ever seen up front at that stage um but that's it could definitely have been done with less let me put it that way if i I think it would have worked with less it may have taken a bit longer um but the problem is we don't actually know that's one of the hardest things about this whole topic which is worth thinking about is to actually get data on this so what you're likely to get when you ask for advice on this is people's individual experiences and it's also worth now that, you know, I'm, I'm known as being interested in complications and people send us complications. I can tell you that it's very different dealing with a, with a, an occlusion that's three days old or a week old or 10 days old. They're, they're totally different things. So I would be careful about taking advice from someone who maybe sees lots of everyone, you know, a complication expert who sees, sees advice, who sees people three days on is going to have a very different experience compared with someone who's seeing them straight in front of you. And most of you will be 
the kind of you will see you'll be seeing it right in front of you and i think that's a very different situation from three days on and you could i would i think it's rational to be more much more aggressive in the early stages than it is three days later because if it's three days later you already know if it's going to occlude because it's it either has or it hasn't and either way it's not an emergency anymore like you don't need to be aggressive and also what you do is unlikely to make such a big difference three days on so it's a really different situation to two hours on where aggress being aggressive makes much more sense the other uh, circumstance that i think kind of distorts the picture here as we are deciding how many to use in a real emergency is when people end up reversing hematomas can you talk to that yeah so the the there are there are many instances where you can have delayed capillary refill but it may not be because you have a vascular occlusion and particularly when it's partially delayed i think there are certainly cases we we've seen because of our network the skin beaver training network we have we've a couple of times had people who videoed the entire process from the the initial bleeding lip to 20 minutes later to two hours later to the next day and it's fantastic seeing exactly what the blood flow was doing at each point because they had normal capillary refill straight after the injection that worried them and they had a video of that and then two hours later they've got slight delayed capillary refill but a clear hematoma bruising uh, developing the next day the hematoma is much bigger and capillary refill is much more but there's no sign of necrosis and then 48 hours later you can see this big bruise but still no sign of necrosis and they've still got delayed capillary refill that's a very reassuring story that what you're dealing with is delayed capillary refill caused by a hematoma. And um, if you ever are wondering how much of an effect a the pressure from a hematoma will have on capillary refill, next time you inject um, dermal filler or saline especially is quite a good example. If you just if you're ever injecting, maybe it's for an elective reversal, some saline, you will see that area of the lip goes pale. If you push on it, you will see delayed capillary refill straight away because there's something else exerting pressure on the capillaries apart from the normal tissue pressure. The difficulty is sometimes you'll get bleeding when you've got a vascular occlusion. So it's it's reasonable, if in doubt, to reverse it. But I suspect many, many cases are not actually vascular occlusions. They're delayed capillary refill caused by hematoma because hematomas are common and vascular occlusions are rare. But the problem with people thinking that they've reversed an occlusion when it was just a hematoma is that then they will tell their colleagues, well, I only needed one vial. Yes, absolutely. So that, that's a really good point, point. You've got to interpret these accounts that you'll get from other clinicians with a pinch of salt. Because if you come across someone on a forum who said, you know, I had a vascular occlusion and I injected it with one vial of hyaluron days and it all disappeared, that might be true. But it's also true that what they did was dissolve a hematoma. It could be true. So we've got to interpret the data very core. Cool. It's not actually data because really what you'd need is an MRI scan or an ultrasound showing filler in a vessel, then injecting however much hyaluron days and then seeing the result. That would be a good experiment that would give you some idea about what's really happening. Instead, what we have is a lot of noise. It could be that it wasn't a hematoma, that it's a hematoma. It could be a tiny, tiny little occlusion that just needed a massage to get rid of it. There's all sorts of variables that basically make it really hard to be certain how much hyaluron days to use. So my theory is you want to be prepared for the biggest occlusions. Um, and, and that's kind of where we get to how much, how much, how many vials of hyaluron days we would carry. So go on then, give us the big reveal. So we, we carry six. I think I said that right at the beginning, actually. But in the clinic, what I want to be prepared for is that once in a blue moon event where we have two two occlusions or more before mm. we've got a chance to, to order more. 
So if we've got, you know, on our busiest days, it might be three or four clinicians working, um, say two of them had a really big occlusion each, that would that might suck up 12 vials. So I want to have more than 12 vials in my clinic at, every, at any point. And actually we keep 20, I think. It might be 25 now. But we just like to, it, it only expires every 18 months or so. So it's no biggie uh, keeping that in the clinic. So if I say to you, how long should I keep reversing until I'm happy? So, yeah, this is key as well, because um, I've met quite a few clinicians who follow the protocol. They know of whatever the recommendation is. So um, I know that the ACE guidelines, certainly 2018, said carry two vials of hyaluron days. So that what they will do is use two and then send the patient home. And I'm aware of at least one case where that did not end well. Um, and now that's just one case. And who knows, maybe another 10 vials would have made no difference. How We don't have the data. But I, my approach would be to continuously repeat the, the pulse of hyaluron days until you have completely refill back again. I wouldn't discharge them. Um, and the reason for that is when you see these cases that get really bad, like the case I'm thinking about, the person was in hospital for two weeks, um, you know, hyperbaric oxygen and scarred afterwards. So this is a this is a really significant thing for someone in their early 20s to suffer. You know, any young person who has a scar on their face for life, that's going to affect them in for years in all sorts of ways. So I think it's very reasonable to be aggressive and with some first principle thinking, be, be able to basically be confident enough to put a reasonable amount of product in or, you know, a lot, a lot of product, if I put it a different way, rather than um, sticking to two, because there's actually no evidence that one vial works or 10 vials, that no one's got any human data in a randomized control trial with ultrasounds on people saying this is how much it takes. So we are figuring it out as we go along. And with some safety steps, I, I think more keep them with you and repeat the process until they have put a refill back again. That's the key point, isn't it? Yeah, don't discharge because you've given them a certain amount of product. Discharge because they have blood flow in their capillaries. You know, we for many clinicians, you might have been injecting, like for me, it was 10 years before I was actually holding the needle and got an occlusion. So if I, if I hadn't been involved in training, I don't know how I would have felt in that situation because I, I, I had to think about it because I'm teaching other people to be safe and they ask you lots of questions. So if you're an independent practitioner who doesn't do any training, you could find yourself in a situation where you've got your protocol, you execute it. It's your only experience you've ever had if you've not listened to this podcast. Um, and you may just hold yourself back so um, and not get the best result for the patient. So this is this is the key is we all get to learn from each other's experiences. I'm putting my ideas out there. People can disagree with them, but they can hopefully understand the rationale and what I would recommend, My what I would do if I put it differently, uh, is I would keep them with me until I had to put a refill back again. And then you mentioned the occasion that you yourself had an occlusion from a lip as well. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, well, that's getting on it's a few years ago now as well. Um, so similar situation. Well, it was the last patient on Thursday before Good Friday. And, you know, lo lovely person who I get on really well with, had a nice chat, had did the last injection, got this flash of white, and then it returned back to normal. And I remember I just wasn't... I wasn't feeling stressed at all. And I, I went back to go and change the needle. And I, I was thinking about this little experience. And I thought, I think it was actually, I was actually finished. For, I thought I was finished for the, the Easter weekend. And I remember thinking, go back and check. There was, an, there was a moment where I was thinking, no, it'll be fine. And then, and then I remember catching myself and say, just go back and check, particularly because otherwise you'll worry about it the rest of the weekend. 
anyway, it went back and yeah, sure enough, it was a delayed, there was delayed query refill. It, it got more and more obvious as well as time went on, which is something that people might find interesting as initially it just it was definitely delayed, but it wasn't that obvious. And then five minutes later, checking again, and it was barn door. And you could see just one side really affected. So she wasn't in pain from the injection that much. And she also didn't she didn't get in pain like five minutes afterwards with a blocked blood vessel. It doesn't I don't think you feel it that quickly. It I think it takes a bit longer. And then tell us about this is when you used your six sorry six files of the highlays. And how long were you doing that for? Uh so that went on a lot longer. Um I think altogether she was with us for about two hours. About um, And once again, it was a similar sense of if I was short of hyaluron days, I could probably have used less and I may have got to the same position. So it's not a recommendation. Um, and I sometimes say this with clinicians, if you've got that the real thing you're trying to do is maintain the concentration around the blocked blood vessel. And now this will differ from, from some of the studies, but you in theory, you could do a tiny amount you know, every five minutes, right at the, if you knew where the blockage is, the truth is we don't actually know where the blockage is exactly. It's it's always more complex. You don't know where it's flowed to or how much is in the capillaries or if it's gone back down the artery. So that kind of comes out over time. But, but really what I'm thinking is what I've already said, which is maintain the concentration gradient. I like these high dose protocols that some people are suggesting. Makes sense to me to have frequent high doses um, so, you know, every 15, 20 minutes, you're, you're putting in a reasonable amount, flooding the area, um, and then leaving another 15, 20 minutes with a warm compress and repeating until you get blood flow back. And that took you about an hour and a half, didn't it, I think, to get the blood flow back? Yeah, blood flow came back. I mean, I I, I was in touch with her for much longer than that. She yeah. stayed with us for a bit longer because it's all a bit... I tell you what's worth knowing is when you're stressed, capillary refill can get quite hard to differentiate yeah. because you it's almost like your your internal clock is going faster so it, you, it's almost that you can't read it as well as normally um I, I would say i didn't have that on the second time i had it more on the first time um so getting a colleague to check is is, is helpful at least puts your mind at rest it's this other thing that when you're when you're anxious effectively you 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 do not connect with your cognitive side that well you become that inner animal who wants to run away, fight, you know, it, it's its not as thoughtful a place to be. So it's uh, its harder. And an hour and a half is a long time. But I think hopefully people listening to this will think, oh, okay, Dr. Tim had to do it, wait there for an hour and a half. I'm in for the long haul. And you can tell your patient, can't you, as well? Yeah. And cancel future people. It's really important that your patient knows what to expect because otherwise what happens is they start to freak out beyond a certain point. Uh, we're all like that, you know. If 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 someone puts you in in an uncertain situation and it's five minutes long, you can probably deal with it. If it's an hour long, it gets a bit difficult, and if it's two hours long, you start to wonder if this is where this is leading. Yeah. Um. And people's minds are constantly working on it, but there's nothing they can do. So both cases actually that I had had a, a moment of emotional peaking, which was stressful for the clinicians too, um, and it it depends on what the story that they're expecting. So it, it might be helpful right from the beginning to say, I'm afraid this is going to take two hours at least. Um, and then you might solve the problem in 45 minutes. But yeah. if you if you give them the idea that it's going to be over too soon, that you'll have to deal with the uncertainty that comes after that moment. And of course, it all really leads back to consultation, doesn't it? Because you consulted your, your person well, and then she, you were able to say, remember that thing I talked about? Absolutely so vital that you've done a proper consent with what you will do in the event of an occlusion because as soon as it's so much easier to tell that patient when you've identified an occlusion when you've already told them. Whereas if you have to explain it while they're already stressed out, 
it, it amplifies the uncertainty and it's going to make things a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Okay, so back to the number of files then. So you use six over an hour and a half period. What are we supposed to do if there are nurses or other clinicians watching this here who may even be prescribers, but they're not allowed to hold the stock? So they cut, they, you know, are they supposed to prescribe six files for each patient? Yeah, so this is this is one of the hardest things, certainly in England. In Scotland, nurses can hold stock now, uh, which is great. To me, it makes sense that they would be able to. Um, it's If you're saying someone can practice independently, it's a bit hard that you can't say, well, you can also hold stock independently. So um, it, it's creating a barrier that some patients will suffer for. Um, but this is what, what people will do. So the, the first thing is, the most common situation is they prescribe for someone else themselves usually and keep it in stock. And the, the defense then is, if I have an occlusion, I'm willing to um, defend my decision to use this medication for someone else um, on the basis that it was in the patient's best interest. Um, I'm not aware of that being tested and whether it would actually work. It's certainly very different from at scale prescribing toxins for different people. Yeah. Um, this is a, a one-off that's, you know, it's not, we should be doing this once every, you know, if you're, if you're like me once every 10 years. So it's not something you're doing all the time. Um, so that's important. So the only way that you can keep hyaluronidase for your patients in a way that is hundred percent law abiding is that you need to prescribe hyaluronidase for every new patient. So what this would be is like a signing. And I am aware of clinicians who do this. I've been saying it for years, most because of the cost. I don't think they do. They use the other way. Um, but I, there are definitely clinicians who do this. So you see a new patient. When they sign up with you, explain to them that in order to keep them safe, it is advisable that they have an emergency pack, which you keep with medication just for them every 18 months, because that's usually the expiry date. And then you prescribe a couple of vials at least. Um, that will cover your average patient if you're using small amounts of time. And then, you know, if you've got other hyaluron days around, obviously you then cross the line into not being squeaky clean, but that's probably what people would do. But you're in the same situation then. So prescribe what you think you'd like to have for each patient and charge them for it. Hyaluron day is about £12 for a vial. So it's, it's, it's even possible that you could prescribe four vials for a patient, keep it with them, with their name, keep it in, you know, well stored uh, according to the instructions. And then if you do have an occlusion, they've got it there ready to go. Um, and the other thing that you will get is a degree of client loyalty because they are they know that you've got you're storing something for them that will keep them safe. You get to talk about how safe you are as a practitioner and that this is the only way to do it above board. Um, those, that's the only way I know of doing it completely uh, without worry. So what do you guys at home think? We'd really like to hear your thoughts on how many vials of hyaluron days you feel safe carrying and maybe if we've changed your view on any of this. Check out the description below for a link to Tim's emergency reversal protocol something you can't be without. And let us know if there's any other topics you'd like us to discuss. And don't forget this show could be found as a podcast on Spotify, iTunes, etc. Thank you for watching. Take care.